Hello, welcome to Dark Habits in a Motivar podcast. I'm Spencer, and with me is my friend uh, and cool person in general, uh, J Dog. Oh, I thought you were talking about a guest. No, <laughs> you're a cool person. We spent. I spent. I went to visit you for a week earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. It's true. I didn't murder you or anything. Like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't try to get me to an MLM or something. I mean, we were in U- I was in Utah. We didn't get to that point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those Mormons sure love MLMs. If you know what I'm talking about, listeners, it's a thing. Look into it. It's weird <laughs> that Utah is, like, the capital of that shit. <laughs> anyway, so, um, this is, uh, a proper Emotivar episode. We're talking about women on the verge, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, and we have returning um, Lexi from the High Heels episode and future episodes to come. <laughs> Hello. Hey. So uh, I think I asked you kind of when we recorded last time mm-hmm. if you want to take this one. And um, had you seen this one before? I haven't. I have not seen this one before. This was kind of like the film. I, this is the film I know him for the most, but I had never seen it just because it's very um, omnipresent with him as a director. Okay. Uh, Jay Diesel, had you seen this one before? No, but I was well aware of this. I don't know. It, it won some award for something, right? Uh, nominated for Best Foreign Film. Mm-hmm. That must it did not win. Uh, something else won. I actually wrote down my notes what the other movies were. Uh, they were Pell the Conqueror, that one. Um, <laughs> oh, never heard of it. Every, everyone's <laughs> talking about it, obviously. <laughs> Go back, I don't know, uh, two seasons ago, we talked about that movie. Just listen to the episode before this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whatever whatever um, episode is re- re- released in. Uh, Salam Bombay uh, from India. That is the... Uh, Oh, what's her name? She directed Mississippi Masala. Mm-hmm. Her... I can't remember her name. Yeah, it's one of her movies. And a movie from Hungary uh, called... Uh, uh, Hanasen. And, like always, no African films. So, I'm not surprised. I'm kind of used to being disappointed. Like, will they acknowledge Africa makes movies? No, of course not. No, I won't. Like every, I don't know, once a decade they they remember they do, and then they forget for another ten years. I know. It's like with anything. It's like usually France and like a Eastern European country and maybe like a Latin American country and that's it. Although, you know, Asian countries have kind of popped in more and more over the years. Yeah, it tends to be Japan, China. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get like Vietnam or something like mm-hmm. that, but it's usually Japan, China. Mm-hmm. But uh, so before we get into things proper, uh, of the movies I mentioned that were nominated for best foreign film for the Oscars of uh, for '88, uh, Joel, do you think Pella Conqueror is better or worse than um, Women on the Verge? Oh, jeez. Uh, you put me on the spot here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, I 
would be more likely to watch Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown again, just because of the difference between the subject matters. But I do think, uh, and I don't want to say that, but I'm going to say it anyways, because you're putting me on the spot, like I said. <laughs> uh, I believe the other movie is actually a better movie than this one. Okay. And, and usually I don't fall for those like, oh my god, it's so tragic, it, it deserves all the Oscars kind of thing. <laughs> and that's not what I'm getting to with the other one, but I mean, it's just a will, very well put together movie that repeatedly kicks you in the shins. Oh, when yeah. this one only occasionally slaps you. No, because Malvar doesn't, like, it's melodrama, but it's not like, uh, trauma porn, where I'm going to make you feel yeah. sad the whole time. There's Absolutely. My, my monocle there's, did not pop off. <laughs> there's uh, there's life. Well, there's life in Pele Conqueror, too. But I'd rather watch the lively, fun, with some tragedy over, like, yeah. I'm going to cry and feel shitty for us. Well, actually, <laughs> there, there are some, bad, some movies like that I love. But, but like, anyway, um, uh, Lexi, have you seen Pele the Conqueror? I have not. I think it's worth it for Max von Sydow. Oh, I didn't realize he's in that. Okay, that's good to know. He's he's an old dad with a young kid. Oh, okay. I think yeah, he's a widow in the beginning, or she dies. Oh. Right in the beginning. Come on, if you see a wife die or not, I feel like you do. No, I don't. I think they get off the boat, and that's the whole reason why. Part of the reason why they had to leave in the first place. Okay. Hmm. Let's talk about that movie. Yeah, <laughs> let's just spend two two hours watching that movie again instead. Okay, anyway, yeah. So, um, J Dog, what? No, no, actually, uh, Alexi, this is your first time watching um, Women on the Verge, and you're you're a little newer to Elmo Davar. Uh, yes. For me and J Dog, what is Women on the Verge even about? Um, so it's basically about this woman, Peppa, and she's going to confront her lover who she's going to break up with, who's actually kind of leaving her in the process. Um, and basically hijinks ensue of all these people getting involved, um, like friends and her lover's son and his girlfriend, um, while this is happening. And it's kind of a wild ride until the very end um it i it is not at all what i expected because i i had never read the summary for this movie i'd never listened to anything about it so i had no idea that this is what it was about okay uh did you like this one i did i did i enjoyed it a lot it was just it kind of felt um very much like a play to me I, I kind of love that feeling when when directors can successfully pull off something that's like uh, something that you know makes the words and everything come to life and uses the actors in the correct way and makes like a big use out of a small space. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Okay, uh, I'm not sure if you two knew this, but um, uh, Gina Rodriguez. Uh, announced i think two years ago she's going to uh star and produce a series based off this movie oh i didn't know that for i think apple or one of, oh, the, okay. one of the other ones i don't pay for that people <laughs> say exists but i've never actually watched anything yeah which 
I'm I don't know, I'm I'm curious to see how you can stretch this out because it's I think it's fine as ninety minutes, like it's it's to me it's, it's perfect as is like that. Like I don't yeah. think. But then again, who knows? Like, yeah, but I, I am curious, like how how this will be stretched out into a full season of TV. Well, they might make it more like a soap opera aspect and add a little bit more background and dimension to it. I could kind of see, I could kind of see you doing it. It it's it, it has like a a good like template for it. I guess they made this into a musical, which I didn't realize either. Oh yeah. Uh... I have that in my notes. It's um, Patty Lupone was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in it. I didn't write down what part she was, but oh, is, okay, let's see. Oh, oh it's um, Justin Greeny was in it. The oh. Music... <laughs> I get. Oh, he must have been um, uh, Carlos. Hmm. Probably. Patty Lupone. Who, who would she even be? It's 2010. Maybe Peppa. Maybe she seems a little bit older to be Peppa. But I mean, yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter. Like it could be any age. Yeah, I'm just imagining the lead from this movie in in it. Yeah. Uh, Dre Dog, any thoughts? Would Would you watch a musical of this? <laughs> That's once again you're asking me. I, I, uh, no. <laughs> no. All right. I really don't like musicals based on, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I Movies that were not originally musicals, they, they kind of, yeah, I, I've not watched one of those that I enjoy. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever seen any of them. I mean, I feel like generally they're not very successful, it seems. I think maybe the most successful one I've heard of is maybe Beetlejuice, the Beetlejuice one, but I haven't seen it. But it just seems to have run for a long time, and it seems to be do like regional productions and stuff. Oh, I don't know. Legally Blonde is a really successful oh, one. Yeah, Hair I guess spray. that one too. Yep. Hairspray. Hairspray. Hairspray is the original when it comes to that, for sure. Yeah, I think, I think um, there's a, even a Mean Girls one. I don't know how successful there that is. One. Um, yeah, I, think... I don't know how successful that one is. I haven't heard it or listened to it. I think someone from that was on Drag Race once, or maybe mm, the Drag Race podcast mm-hmm. talked about it. I listened to. I I know it through like, uh, gay stuff mainly that one. Uh, <laughs> what's the other one? Oh, a uh, little um, that Jack Nicholson, Corman movie with the evil plant. Yeah, that's from sixties. A, a different example of. Well, they made the. Did they make a musical and then adapt the musical into a movie? Or I believe the Corman Little Shop of Horrors was first, and then in the seventies it was was turned to a musical, and then there was a movie with Rick Moranis and uh, and the one exception. Now give me any more. (laughs) And the two girls from (laughs) Martin are both in that movie too. Yep. Uh, The two uh, girls from Martin, (laughs) Gina and Pam, are in it. I think Gina. I know Gina's in. I think Pam might be in it too. No, Gina is in it. The actress. I can't remember. Now you're making me feel bad. Tisha. Uh, Tisha Campbell. Yes. Yes. She's in it. Um, doing her Pam- singing. Uh, she's one of the three, you know, doo-wop ladies. Yeah, and I gotta check if if Pam was in it. Which is why she was so good in um, 
School uh, days. Spike Lee. Yeah. Which came out this year. Okay, yeah. And uh, Tachina Arnold is in Little Shop of Hor- Little Shop of Horrors too. Also. Mm. Ooh, Little Shop of Horrors too. <laughs> yeah, so you get Pam and Gina, but no Martin, thankfully. He was in prison. <laughs> uh, you know, I like their show Martin sometimes, but the later seasons you can tell, like, oh, everyone hates each other because of him. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, so back to um, Women on the Verge. So, J-Dog, what did you like about this movie? I'm a big fan of uh, women and the verges that they find themselves on. Uh, uh, well, it, like, this is, I think, one of the Almodovar soap opera style things that really got people into them at first. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy, I, I read some review that's like, I would give this a higher rating, but this, the story is just so confusing. It's like... I guess I don't I don't know it's not not crazy I guess there's a lot of things that happen that like expand the scope of the story and things but it's yeah I, it, like the the story's a lot of fun and the, you the more you learn about the main characters you know soon or X or the one that she that just left them it's like this guy's a real douchebag, right? <laughs> Everything you learn about him is further upon that thing. And, um, I don't know. Um, Carmen Mara, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. she, she's doing this great job of, like, trying to hold her stuff together while also having these severe moments of just losing it and having to explode. And, playing it all in what somebody might be thinking is like, oh, that's a totally over-top way, except for if you've ever been in some similar situation where you're, uh, you want to be normal, you want to be in control, but every once in a while, you ah! Like, you might throw a telephone through a window or <laughs> repeatedly stalk somebody <laughs> and going, uh, getting in the same cab driver's car. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was. I mean, it's just a lot really amusing, and yeah. Okay. Um, you two are better with Spanish than I am. What? Uh, uh what is the title in Spanish? Cause I think it's, it looked like I, a pretty. I tried to d- say it yesterday. Their direct tra- direct translation to English. I'm pretty sure. It looks like. Yeah, it's mujeres el bode de un atacua. No, not Yeah. See, I'm losing it. That's better than I could do. Lexi, do you, do you want to try? I uh, I have no accent, unfortunately. I should I should not try. No, I want to hear okay. that. Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I think the little translation is is the title, right? Yeah, I don't think there's any difference. Not only is it the title, but because nerves as a idea in that country apparently is not a thing, so. Mm. Nerviosos is in quotation marks. Mujeres al borde un ataque de nerviosos. So you had to make up a, a slang word, basically? 
Seems like it. Huh. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. I, huh. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, yeah. So before we get any further, uh, trans rights are human rights. Uh, learn what's happening in your area because locally affect what happens locally and state level affects people more directly in federal and uh, get involved and uh, you know be a decent human being yes and uh, some I'm in where I where I am things are looking okay but it could turn on a dime so just always be aware okay so uh, yeah I've got that out of the way remembered earlier on this time Lexi, mm-hmm. what do what did you like about this movie? Um, so I would have to say that my I really had no idea what was going what was going to happen in this movie. I I as I said I ha- I went in kind of really blind, um, and I was like. I do understand the getting slightly confused because there's so many characters and stuff, but the thing is, it's not really something you have to worry about. Like, it's not something you have to be like, I have to know every piece of the puzzle that's happening in order to kind of understand what's going on. You kind of get what's going on no matter what, and that the, that that she's going through this this issue with her boyfriend, and she's talking it out with all these people she knows in her life. Um... And that's kind of like the main part of it, and her go- dealing with this, dealing with this issue that she has. Um, and I, I think that that's something that it's not a high stakes um, plot, I guess you could say. It's like very humanistic, and you understand what's happening uh, generally through the movie. You don't need to, a break a breakdown. Um, he, uh, I was going to say, Almodovar uh, said, uh, when you split up with someone, you're on the verge of a breakdown. You're about to lose control. As, as you just said, like, it's all about this loss of control that's happening in her life. And she seems like someone who's pretty put together. She has a good job. I love the fact that this movie takes place between a love story between two voice actors. I think that that's such a cool little piece of the film. Um, And their voices are so distinct. And I think something that's really amazing about Almodovar's films is that like the way that, the actors speak the, the dialogue like you don't really have to understand it to like get an impression of it mm. mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what was the movie they were overdubbing in the beginning the, the first one a previous episode Johnny Guitar okay yeah Nicholas yeah Ray movie it's like they, they sound uh, well I can't I don't know <laughs> I, I like the way that the, they were playing their parts because I remember how it was in the actual movie. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, and, and yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and the thing about the giant guitar is like, it, it's kind of a meta reference, meta yeah, layer over what the movie is that I didn't I didn't pick up on until this. I watched it a few weeks ago and I watched it uh, today. And I was like, oh, this is like. This was picked on purpose. It's not just a random movie he likes. He yeah. actually thought about picking the right movie and like the right scene to include, uh, you know, for like it, you see you're trying guitar for maybe two minutes, but it's mm-hmm. like the right moments. Like yeah, if you've seen the movie, like you you understand the context of why it was picked. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I love that movie. That's such a good movie. Johnny Guitar, too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, okay, so for me, like I said before, the first time I watched this was when I got real into Almodovar, like in 2018, I think it was. And this was. Cause I, I went through, I think, almost all the movies within a year. And this oh, was wow. one of the last. There's one. a lot of movies. Oh, I know. <laughs> there are, I think, <laughs> four I have not seen. I think it's just just in the one that was never that he that he doesn't release the, his first movie. Uh, uh-huh. Fuck, fuck, fuck me, Tim. <laughs> That's an English translation. I don't, the Spanish is like Foley. Is yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Foley. Like like that go to the but, foyer anyway so uh and so my first impression of this movie five years ago was it, it's it's one of the lesser ones i just wasn't into it i didn't i didn't get into the energy and the and there's something about something that just felt like kind of like rashman to kurosawa where like yeah, yeah, I get it. It's an important one. And <laughs> unlike Rashomon, I have come around more. Rashomon's probably my least favorite Kurosawa's. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the, like, his early ones are, the propaganda ones are not great. And I, I acknowledge that. But the Rashomon's still better than those. But Rashomon's kind of like, whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, this was whatever, fine for a Motivar. But watching it again... I like it more, but still not not my favorite. But uh, yeah, I think I like High Heels better than this one actually. Now that I watched him, um, just of the few I've seen of his, I love Volver is still my number one favorite. Yeah, Volver is great. Yeah, that's wait. Volver is the one with um, it's just a uh, cruise on the cover. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, I remember going to Blockbuster and seeing that on the wall all the time. Yeah, it's such a great poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... It's uh, got a ghost in it. No, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's one no one has claimed, so... Wait, this one... I think maybe one person said they might want to do it, but, like, that's it. Like, mm. no one has claimed it one at all, which I'm surprised. But, mm. uh, yeah, if, like, for me, like... Since I've seen almost all of them, I think the reason this one feels a little off, and I'm not saying it's bad by any stretch, it's still, I still think it's like almost great, is uh, the early ones are like John Waters trashy comedies uh, mm-hmm. with like the John Waters type stuff, like Mike makes light of like sexual assault and uh, other stuff in like that very campy way where. You can be offended by it, but it's clear it's not trying to be like a grisly rape revenge movie type of way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like, it's it's like, what if John Waters, but he had maybe five thousand more dollars? Uh, yeah. For, for production. <laughs> and this is like, uh, Women on the Verge is one of the ones. This is one of the transition movies of going out of that super. Uh, like lower budget trashy comedy into like quote unquote making like a proper movie and like going more 
so uh, well, it's always been melodramatic, but going more, uh, being more more mature, quote unquote mature. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It feels a, a little bit more uh, like the like with high heels. It's there's the like drag queen stuff, and there's like the silly stuff, and it definitely has that little bit over the edge quality. Um, while this one is like has very serious parts where there's less comedy going on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doc, you've seen um, some of the earlier ones. Uh, Matador is before this. Um, do you see this as a step up uh, from Matador or like same or same level as Matador? Because that was another transitional going out of like the trashy comedy. Uh, one. Mm, let's see. Matador. That's the um, one where Banderas uh, is kind of so, queer. They never explain. Or what? A queer psychic boy. I I don't think it's necessarily a step up from it. Um, just like I honestly, I don't think like there's there's parts of dark habits that are just at the same level as this the, the the only thing that really sets those apart from this is it seems like there was i don't know like detail spent making things look more what's the word yeah it's like costume selections constantly changing for the main character mm-hmm. and her own apartment being this grand thing that screams 1980s in a way that makes you want to throw up sometimes. Um, or is it 1990s? No, 1980s still. Because yeah. it's on the verge um, of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, but it's this part with its bits of seriousness is more in a relatable way, I think, for... Well, at least for me, it had parts that were actually relatable to me. Uh, you know, I've never been addicted to drugs and hiding in a nunnery or had a... Uh, <laughs> trying to remember in high heels exactly, you know. Like, I, I remember what happened um, in high heels, but I also don't exactly remember. Yeah, I, I would say, but I don't want to spoil it in case anyone has, has not seen high heels. Here's a problem. Like, I, I really like all these movies that we have watched so far and for some reason they just don't make these deep impressions into my brain like this hmm. one had these scenes and the characters that made these impressions that are sticking into my brain but there's also these details then like i couldn't tell you exactly how it goes with the story um even just sticking to the main characters part of the story um so the answer to your question is uh-huh. I don't know <laughs> I mean that might be a little bit of a language barrier thing oh, yeah. just because like the how they are it might be more of like you get a characteristic impression of it but maybe you know because you're not in the same language as the film it's a little bit harder to connect on that level not saying it's always hard to connect on with foreign films but this one's very plotty so it's like 
it's not where it's like two people having a conversation or a historical event that you have an outline of. This is like a very like high hijinks kind of plot. And if you don't understand the language, it might be a little bit hard to get, uh, uh, have it make that impression. Yeah, uh, does that this, does make sense. Yeah. Does this count as a screwball comedy? No, it might, but it's not really comedic. I didn't find it super duper funny. Like there are parts and lines that are funny, but overall, yeah. It's... I think I, I think high heels and stuff, and like Volver is very funny. Like just from my small experience with him, it's like I feel like those ones are way funnier than this movie. I found the the whole uh, <laughs> the jump to the end, the the policeman at the place, you know, very slow. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> trying to hold themselves together it's like one of them didn't say to the other oh by the way <laughs> something's wrong here <laughs> or it's also funny but we're just i'm just going to talk about the gazpacho moments apparently because uh-huh. i was thinking of when, <laughs> uh, when uh, banderas's girlfriend yeah like is, that, wake, is having an obvious like sex dream or something like that and... <laughs> It was just kind of like, oh, 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 must be good. (laughs) I also found it fascinating. They were, I think of gazpacho as a soup. Yes. And they were drinking it kind of like a Bloody Mary. (laughs) I was kind of like baffled by that the whole time. It's probably just cultural different. It's cultural differences. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. But it's just like my idea is like you drink it as a soup, like out of a bowl. And they were like drinking it out of cups. And I was just like. A little bit thrown by that the first couple times they were, they were uh, imbibing it. I thought maybe it was like they were making like a Bloody Mary like drink, but uh-huh. she explains what's in it at the towards the end. <laughs> There's no mention of alcohol, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's just a, a hearty beverage, like a V8. Yeah, yeah. Ex- I mean, yeah. I guess it is kind of like a V8. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Uh yeah, uh, I had something to say, but I, my brain decided to delete that file for a second. Mm. Uh, okay, so um, Zach isn't here, but I remember Zach saying on the cruising episode that he did earlier in the season that he thinks that uh, Banderas in this movie is the most attractive he's ever been on screen. <laughs> I I don't know. I like uh I like uh um uh, what's it what's the one he's known for? With Salma Hayek. Desperado. Oh, oh. Desperado. He looks amazing in Desperado. Yeah, I have to agree. Desperado he looks better. And here he kinda looks like you know, he's playing kind of a skinny nerd at first, but then he gets super horny at some point, but you know, until then Yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of a dork. He's yeah, he's kinda of baby faced in this movie. Like he looks like almost like, you know, just maybe starting college or whatever. Like he's not very confident in himself, even though he's, you know, very, very attractive man. But like he doesn't have that confidence level that he gains as he becomes more of a little bit more adult and more well versed as an actor. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I he's of course, he's very handsome in this movie, but I think Desperado is definitely... Definitely my, more my cup of tea. Okay. I, I've seen a few other people agree with Zach. Like, 
who who basically said like when he looks like Egon from Ghostbusters, that's the hottest. Because <laughs> <laughs> he put on a pair of glasses. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the glasses don't hurt. That's for sure. Yeah, I was watching with my girlfriend, and her reaction to him was like, "Is that Antonio?" I was like, "I said, I said like, that's Baby Banderas." She's like, "Are you sure it's Antonio Banderas?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not really his, at his full power in this movie. Yeah, it took it took a, took. Where you going? It took a little bit because I think it was like um, uh, maybe like "Time Me Up, Time Me Down" is like the earliest mm-hmm. where for me uh, of Banderas where it's like, oh, he's here. He's not just like yeah. some, some shy kid anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a that's an aggressive movie. Uh, oh, it's a very aggressive movie. I guess I could have told by the title, but uh... <laughs> uh, what does Atame mean? Because that's a Spanish title. Atame, Atame, yeah. No say. I... I think it means "time me up" because that's how they. That's how it. Yeah. But also, like half sometimes with the foreign titles, I'm half the time it's like it's completely different meaning. So in Spanish, it's just tie me up. So it's just that part, and oh, they don't okay. have the tie me down part in it. Oh, like, oh, this movie's called Tie Me Up. No, it needs something else. <laughs> <laughs> we, need to, we need to add a little something extra for the English yeah. language audience. Yeah, they're not going to understand unless somebody gets <laughs> yeah, tied down. Also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So. Uh, uh, okay. So. Uh, J Dog, you've seen a few Omotivar uh, movies, and you've seen some of the recurring uh, actors and pe- and whatnot. Sure. Um, do, do you like Karma uh, Car- uh, Carmen Maura uh, as a as a lead? Do you think she's a uh, Do you think she really works here? Yeah, I think she's she's great. She's um, I know she's supposed to be playing somebody who's like older too, like. She looks incredibly young compared to the dude. And yeah, for sure. There's definitely an age gap there. Yeah, the, or age gap discourse. Yeah, the dude. The dude looks like um, like uh, current but tall. It looked like current Scorsese if he was like a foot taller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like she's the best thing in the movie when it comes to actors i obviously she's the main character so she gets more screen time and i think that she why are they yes to answer the question i do think she works (laughs) in this movie yeah i think she's pretty fantastic yeah she holds you along uh, takes you along this little, kind of little bit of a ride that you go on with this movie. She plays all the like calm scenes, all the like violent scenes really well. She she introduces you to the characters and makes you feel like comfortable with the situation, what's going on, rather than like like making you a step back, being like, I don't know what what's happening to this lady. She's definitely like a warm presence of like you want to like understand her plight. Oh yeah, uh, um, yeah. Like I like she's very, 
easy to relate to because like something about her face is so is very welcoming even in bit parts and when she's in in other movies like uh uh matador she has a very small part but immediately you're like i like this person even though she's kind of weird i like this person (laughs) and uh and like uh, like the like the, the losing control part of the performance is handled, I think this incredibly well because it's it's uh-huh. not like she goes into a screaming fit like like DiCaprio does in his movies. Like it's you know it's DiCaprio <laughs> like you're gonna wait for when he has a screaming fit and then he'll be calm again. <laughs> and this is just like she kind of what what weaves in and out of like manic and being in control and like when she lights her bed on fire. It's just like this very organic. She loses it for a moment and then yeah. realizes, I let my bed on fire. It feels like a real reaction of someone who, like, it's like, if you are, like, we've all had that feeling where it's like, we're gonna, if we don't do something, we're gonna, like, absolutely lose our minds. And so we do something stupid. And then we're like, take a step back from it and hopefully are able to solve the issue before, before it gets worse. But, like, it's that that release that we all have to have to like be able to see the next steps. She plays that really well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, before we get too far into this, um, did you two notice the cameo from Almodovar's brother? Yes. Lexi, did, did, did you, did you remember? No, I didn't. What is What part is he playing? Uh, Joel, did you want to tell me? No, because I don't remember what it is, but I remember seeing him. <laughs> oh, he's the guy that uh, Peppa sees about the apartment to tell him I'm going to sublet the apartment with the mini- miniatures. Oh yes, uh huh. Okay. You gotta that's look right. for you gotta look for a guy who's balding or bald, and that's that's how you find him. <laughs> but uh, for me. Uh, my favorite mode of our uh, actress is True Slim Preve. She's uh, she always plays like annoying neighbor, annoying per- like annoying person or the mom, <laughs> and she's the annoying Jehovah's Witness, who's like I, I can't I can't lie. I have to tell the gospel truth. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Wait, yeah, that's, is that a thing? <laughs> I, uh, I know they have. You know I'm not gonna talk about that. I know some people who are friends with Jehovah's Witnesses and they might hear me chat on it so I'm not going to say it too much <laughs> but some of the beliefs are uh, crazy to me but I really like that lady lives downstairs uh, Truce mm-hmm. yeah I, I just love that she uses always in everyone's business had to know what's going on but no one, no one talks to her and yeah. I felt a little sad because it's, it's a Truce character so you're going to feel a little sad because like she always plays the person who people kind of shit on and like yeah yeah whatever. <laughs> but, uh, Sometimes people play certain parts really well, you know. Yeah. That's why they get typecast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean this is standard choose role, which is like a couple scenes. She's funny slash irritating to to like the main character, and then she's gone. But uh, uh, she's great at it. Uh, wait for uh, she died like ten years ago, almost. Aww. And I think, which one was it? I think maybe Broken Embraces might have been the last one she was in. 
Hmm. Maybe Volver? She I haven't seen Volver yet, but she might be in Volver. She wasn't towards the end wasn't in that many. Uh, What's okay. the name you said? You said the actress's name? Uh, Chu Slimpreev. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, last thing she was in for Amadovar was Broken Embraces. Okay, I think she's the grandma in that. Of mm. the, I think the screenwriter guy. I haven't. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I lost my thought there. Okay, so, is there, like, I'm not sure if you, you guys read any of the Greta Gerwig interviews or saw anything that, or she talked about influences for Barbie, but she, she mm. specifically cited this movie as inspiration for how to do color palette for Barbie. Hmm. That makes sense. It, like, with high heels and stuff, but it's very, it's way more present in this film where they're using, like, the idea of different colors and how they react to each other on the screen in this film and, like, costume design. It's really, like, it's really beautiful. Yeah, like... uh... I, uh, my girlfriend, who's not like a big movie person, I mentioned the Barbie thing. She's like, "Oh, I can see it! Like, cause it's like the, the yeah. pastels and how explosive colors are." Yeah, he listed um, uh, what was his name? David Hockney. Hmm. He was like, "If I had the money, I would have had David Hockney uh, do the sets." I don't know who that is. I assume it's someone famous. He he's a he's an artist. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the production designer on this, Esther Garcia, is actually like it looks like she's a very big production uh, producer for all of Omajovar's stuff as well. So like she worked a lot on production design and then mainly became a producer with him. Okay. And it looks like she also did the Devil's Backbone. Oh, um, who's in that? I think Carmen Maurer is in that, or Cecilia mm. Roth, another Modor woman, is in that one. There's a, a more connection uh, somewhere in that cast. I can't remember who it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not familiar enough. I couldn't say. Uh, I can't remember which one. It's one of the main ones. That's all I remember. But, uh, okay, uh, like, w- one thing that, like, for me, like, watching it a second time today, I really noticed was how everything comes back. Like, no, like, there's no throwaway jokes or anything. Like, every, every little thing has a purpose. <laughs> down to, like, yeah. I was half paying attention to, like, the news report stuff because things are looking to visuals. I didn't realize, like, they're, like, the Shiite terrorist attack would come up later. What? Yeah, I know. That's such a weird part of the movie that kind of threw me for a threw me for a loop that it actually became a part of the plot. I was just like, "Oh, okay." And that one woman has that whole monologue about it. I was like, "Wow, okay. This is this is this is a deep part of it. I didn't got to pay attention now." Yeah. So I imagine the TV show would ha- at least have an episode dedicated to that stuff probably. Their yeah. wild um uh their wild fuck fest they had. <laughs> 
I don't watch Apple TV. Do they do like HBO nudity stuff to uh, and say like it's classy? We're Apple TV. <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't. I don't have Apple TV, and I haven't watched a ton of stuff on there, so I could not say. Ted Lasso is full of just crazy nudity for. Okay. Does, <laughs> um, Gosh. No. Does, does, does uh, Jason hang dong? He he does <laughs> almost every episode. It's. Um, you know, you get used to it. Okay. Does it have a mustache too? <laughs> it does. Okay. Except for the during the Christmas special, wherein both the mustaches get stolen. <laughs> That's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, like I mentioned before in the um, high heels episode, in I forgot which review it was. Maybe it was the Ebert review where he mentions like. A thing with the amount of our characters, like with the women specifically, is that there's always time to do your makeup and change into a change to a new outfit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and watching this movie is like it's it's very heavy on like every every other scene feels like Carmen has to be like, oh, I need a new I need a new suit, I need new heels. <laughs> yep. And it's just like I just love that little. There's a little detail of, even though like her life is falling apart, she still has to look good and feel good. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a, a nice little detail. It is. It's like a you know, for anyone, there are certain things that you do in order to feel like you have control over your life and circumstances. And for her, it was outfits and such. For for me, it's. Never leaving my apartment. You know, we all have different things. Yeah. That was a joke. Please laugh. I, Please clap. No. <laughs> I will not clap. I will send That's you why a... I lost the presidential election, because you wouldn't <laughs> clap, Spencer. I'll send you great gifts instead. Oh, thanks. Like the Wario sticker. The Wario sticker? In the package I sent you. I have to find that. Besides the earthbound I got, thing. I got the map that you sent me. I put it on me wall. Oh, uh, uh there's a Wario sticker of like Wario and Waluigi and oh, I have a note say, right. that, that says I'm Wario, you're Waluigi. Right. I better get into my role. Now what is Waluigi's motivation here? Uh he he works for Wario? Wow. That's the canon. They're not brothers. Boring. I know. <laughs> okay, so uh, oh, oh, Lexi, you're gonna say something. Oh, I was just gonna. I I try to look at reviews at the time to kind of get a sense of what you know, what what people thought of it when it was released. I, and it was weird. I couldn't find anything that Roger Ebert did, which is usually like usually you can still find his reviews because sometimes it's harder to find when you go farther back. Um, but I did find one uh, from the New York Times and the uh, critic was Vincent Carby. Mm. And I liked this line because I think as Almodovar is like obviously a man, but his films tend to come from a women's point of view. But as I was like watch uh, reading an interview with him and he was talking about how it's like 
not just men and women. It's like anyone who's going through a breakup, they're losing control. It's like this idea, it's not kind of gendered, but he goes from a female point of view because, you know, that's where his, that's where he tends to uh, focus his stories because he's very sympathetic. He's, we've t- we talked about this before. Um, but I did like this line in the Carby review, um, though feminists in its sympathies Women on the Verge is far from being an unattractive of any sort. The characters Mr. Almodovar has written and directed keep asserting idiosyncrasies that do not allow them or the film to be humanlessly categorized. Hmm. I don't know. I just like that line. Yeah, like every... every um, I read... I found a piece from Little White Lies about it. Uh-huh. And, it and it kind of sum- summarized it as um, it's a bad breakup movie. And... That's what I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay, that okay, that's what it is. That that kind of like unlocked it for me. Wait, thinking about were they were they saying the breakup was bad or the movie was bad? <laughs> uh, both. <laughs> oh. No, but uh, and so that made me think in that like losing control part. Is this kind? Would this would be a weird double feature, but thematic double feature with possession possession. The uh, Sam Neill movie. <laughs> Mm. about uh, losing control and a, a bad breakup. Yeah. Although That's interesting. You know, possession has you know the 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 fuck monster where this doesn't have <laughs> a fuck met, monster. She just met another uh person thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I if you watch the movie, they they spoil there's a monster <laughs> because in the opening credits it says creature designed by Carlo Rambaldi. No, that That's the guy who Sam Neill. did, yeah, I guess. That's the guy who did E.T. and oh. uh, I think he worked on the alien suit. Oh, oh interesting. Th- he did something with Alien, I believe, but he, E.T. is his creation. I know that. That guy loves appendages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, from like a penis monster to a weird ball sack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at this Pauline Kale review and I was expecting uh-huh. it to be bad but she says Pedro Almodovar may be the first rank director who sets out to tickle himself and the audience he, he doesn't violate <laughs> his principles to do it his principles begin with freedom and pleasure and then this part of the review I thought you would like Spencer uh-huh. the most original pop writer director of the 80s he's Godard with a human <sighs> face God. A happy face. <laughs> he, he's going dark if the movies, you know, were interesting and had stuff going on. <laughs> Godard. I just think. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Godard is a basic garden salad where it's like, yes, I know it's healthy. I know it's important, but mm. I need a little bit of flavor. I don't think you. I feel. Oh, people... Go ahead, please. No, I was just, I think um, people just take Godard's stuff, like, so seriously as, like, a a tentpole of filmmaking. I feel like, like, we, we can move past all the seriousness a little bit. We all know the best director of the French New Wave was Agnes Varda. <laughs> True. And then behind her, probably Truffaut. I'm a big Romare fan myself. No, wait, I'm not. No, I'm <laughs> a Romare fan. Isn't it? Uh, okay, so I, 
I'm not sure I've told you lately, but that is one of our top ten episodes we've ever done. Which one? Romare episode. Oh, okay. The the one that was just a couple of his movies, or yeah, the one where we're like, we don't really get it. It's fine, I guess. This guy's a creep. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I'm referring to is Claire's Knee, a movie that looks pretty, but then you pay attention and go like, is this a movie? What's the point of all this? It's also, uh, wait, this didn't make anybody uncomfortable at the time? <laughs> What's, what? Yeah. And, uh, Alexa, have you seen Claire's Knee? Um, I've only seen a few of her films. No, no um, Claire's Knee, the uh, movie by um, uh, Eric Romare. Oh, no, I haven't. I th- I'm sorry. I thought you said Claire Denis. Uh, oh. I'm sorry. My bad oh, hearing. Maybe that's what she's named after. <laughs> <laughs> No, I have not. Well, uh, I, yeah. Some people like his movies. Yeah, some people like Romare. Um, my night with it. Yeah, my night mods is like <laughs> the one that's considered like the gateway one. If you're into my night mods, then you might like the other stuff. But, uh, yeah, for me and J Dog, it's a, it's a big old, not really, <laughs> for us. Hey, that's totally your prerogative. That's how I feel about films. Like, you don't have to like it, you know? Yeah. As long as you give it a chance. That's the most important thing. Yeah, that's the most important. But, uh... uh so, like... We didn't get... We only, we only talked about, like, some of the characters, but, uh... Uh, do you guys like the supporting cast? Because uh, you have... Because um, basically, like, I would describe this movie... It feels like a season or two of a soap opera condensed into ninety minutes. <laughs> it but does in like a glowing way because like there are seen other movies where it feels like a season TV condensed in ninety minutes where you're like, this is just garbage and nothing works. Yeah, and this is, but this, this it, it condenses a so much story and character and you know there's backstory to everyone and everything, but you get just enough detail of everything where it it doesn't yeah. feel. Um, I like the interactions between her and the the lover's mom, I think, right? The mom? Yeah. yeah. Who's wearing, like, the pink outfit mm-hmm. at the end. I like their interactions, because, like, you can tell they're just, like, two tough women who won't let each other have any ground. I don't know. I just thought it was, like, such a great interactions, and they're both so passionate and strong. Yeah, that is Julia Serrano. So, so uh-huh. I can't roll my R's. I think you're supposed to roll the R's in that name, but I'm not I, sure. I I can't either, but I under I get it. <laughs> I totally understand. Didn't uh, realize we were all handicapped here. <laughs> Pretty much. Say, say, yeah, I can't do it. Serrano. Nope. Serrano. It's the closest I get. Uh, yeah, she's another regular. She's in a, a bunch of them. Usually playing like a mom type figure, or like a yeah. uh, a um, <clears throat> like the person in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like to me, she like she has a, she. This sounds like an insult, but I don't mean it like this. But like she has a face like Donald Pleasance. But she. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean exactly? She looks like, like Donald Pleasance. Ooh. Where? Okay. What? Okay. 
When I see her face, I see like Donald Pleasance sometimes. Interesting. And it's been particularly in this movie where she has like the crazy eyeliner stuff going on. Uh, which it took a second to, to notice like how outrageous her makeup got as the movie went along. <laughs> I love that. That was so fun. It's a, a great little visual of like, she's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's a Rome Polanski movie from the 60s. Asterix. I know about Rome Polanski. I'm fully aware. But there's a 60s one um, called uh, <laughs> Sack with Donald Pleasance. And he's in the movie, he's married to Catherine Deneuve's sister, um, mm. Francois, some bullshit French last name. Um, uh, rest in peace. She died far too young. Uh, there's a scene where, like, they're like this goofing around, and she's putting makeup on him, and he has like this like very, uh, like exaggerated like eyeliner eyeshadow thing going on, and, mm-hmm. that's, and that's visually it's like. I don't think it's a reference to that, but. It it, it, it it makes me think of that scene. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Colossack is a good movie if you are inclined to watch Ron Polanski at this point. If you're not, I get it. You can you you can wait till he's dead. It won't be it won't be that much longer. <laughs> okay, but uh, so there's that um. The uh, I like the fact that well, uh, in this era of Almodovar movies, Banderas would always play a character who's like kind of weak and um, uh, like bossed around by women the whole time, or part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is just yet another one uh, because like uh, Ro- uh, Rosie De Palma is it plays girlfriend. She's in a bunch of Almodovar movies mm-hmm. also, and like the whole. Up until she passes out, he's just this submissive, like, okay, dear, okay, honey. And it's... I know, I love that actress. Her face is just magnificent. It's just, like, I love their interactions with each other. And she is, uh, Rosie is on uh, Instagram, and her Instagram is just, like, uh, outfits and going to, like, shows. It's, It's pretty cool. Like I, she's she, oh, she's, man, kind, okay. yeah, she's kind of a her. big celebrity in Spain, which, ah, which okay. uh, like part of like what makes these movies weird sometimes is when you learn just how big they are in Spain, but like it doesn't yeah, translate right? outside of Spain and like Latin America. That's uh, yeah. And uh, the actress um, who is the friend um, Maria uh, of. Baranco, she's in a couple. Uh, I, I feel like she's probably the weakest link because, like that 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 character had kind of like kind of falls away at a certain point. Yeah. But uh, uh, J Dog, you have thoughts about like the other characters and the plot lines and how anything like that. So, are you talking about the woman who was dating the terrorist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, the one who gives like the terrorist. Yeah, monologue. it just. It, I mean, the story kind of seems superfluous, except it's you know she's just another woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Plus, it gives us the cop scene that wouldn't happen if she wasn't involved. Yeah, but like, and, uh, uh, her her presence does like fall away at a certain point. Yep. 
yeah, I don't, I mean, it was never just, you know, about her anyways. It was yeah, I know. always about Peppa, Peppa Pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, a detail with that character that like always, uh, always uh, makes it go like, "This is crazy." Is when she goes to the dumpster in that like, uh, in that like in that bright blue outfit with like the mini skirts. Like that's not dumpster attire. You don't dress like. A, you should cover <laughs> up if you're going to a dumpster. Yeah. Is it the They're gonna make dumpsters it work. blue. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good outfit. You don't want to ruin it by, by stepping in trash. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, okay, so, uh, I guess a potentially stupid question, but does this, is this a feminist movie? No. <laughs> I'm almost curious. I don't, I don't really find it to be as feminist as his other films, like quote unquote feminist, it feels more humanist to me. It's not, it's not like about the empowerment of women or doing yeah. things. If anything, these women are, are grasping. I mean, Peppa didn't have power over anything in that case. Like, and it's so obvious. Like, maybe she thought. I mean, that's the whole thing. She thought it was real. She thought. It meant something, and he just was able to throw it away at you know a moment's notice. They've been together for more than a decade, right? They said like fifteen years or something. Yeah. And that means Antonio Banderas is fifteen. No, 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 no. That he was with his wife before that. Okay. Although. Yeah. I think anyway, I think I think Banderas is supposed to be like twenty-ish, probably. Yeah. yeah. He was just born, but. <laughs> Oh, uh, so you know the cameo of Javier Bardem? You guys, do you guys notice that? He's a delivery movie? guy. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He was in. But Lexi, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you notice Bardem? I did not. Oh, um, he's. I'm not noticing oh. anyone today. You see, you see his face <laughs> very, <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> they were, they were. I swear. <laughs> but uh, my girlfriend said like. How old is he there? Like, I don't know, probably like 20? Like, probably like, I don't know, 20, yeah. 25? And she's like, he looks so old to be 19. And she looked up and he was 19 at this point. And she was like, yeah. he looks way too old to be 19. Well, he has that, like, deep brow and that nose. It just gives him more of, like, character in his face versus, like, Antonio and Banderas, who's, like, more classically, like, "Quote unquote, like Grecianly handsome, and like so he looks more baby faced at the time. Yeah, and uh, it's and and uh, like I say, Javier Bardem this always kind of looked older in general. Cause I've seen yeah. some of his earlier mm-hmm. stuff from the early '90s, like the movie called Golden Balls. Uh, it's a sex comedy sort of mm-hmm. thing. It's it's interesting. We're tracking down, but uh, like he he always <laughs> looked like a forty year old man to me. <laughs> Yeah. I don't agree. I mean, like, my introduction uh, introduction to uh, Javier Bardem was... Uh, where my accent going? 
was no country for an old men. At least that's the first time I ever noticed him in anything. And it's because I'd, I'd seen Almodovar movies before that. And he was mm-hmm. just a bit part in those. And I'd say, like, even in Perdita Durango, mm-hmm. he looks so much younger than he does in there. Like, he hasn't grown into his adult face at the point where I've been seeing him in these earlier movies. It's like, yeah, like I've known, I've known fellow Mexicanos that have looked like they came out of the stone age with a forehead brow kind of thing going on. It's like, I guess they look like adults, but I knew them all baby faced in high school and stuff like that. Like, but but even Perdue Durango, uh, Javier to me looks like he's 40. He is not right. He's got a little round face. What are you talking about? That's his facial features. <laughs> he he does not have like a youthful look. He's never had like a youthful look to me. I I think t- take a look at the picture of him in that, and then take it the way a, a picture. Take a look at a picture of the way his face looks in uh, No Country for Old Men. Like you grow in your face feature. Uh, uh, as an adult, your facial features reach some final form when you're a Super Saiyan 3 or something like that. Super Saiyan God? No. I do not acknowledge those. Well, they, they renamed it Blue. Damn it. <laughs> well, well, it's technically different things. Uh, yeah, technically. You see, Super Saiyan God has to... And I'm not getting into this. It's like Rosé Super Saiyan, but we're not going to talk about Dragon Ball Z right now. That was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Rose. It it's technically a form. It's canon. Okay, okay you seem really upset now. Let's let's move on. I'm uh, just saying no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, uh one thing that really uh that this time, the last time I watched it made me th- that I I thought was um when uh, the the ex-wife is uh, wearing the, the pink outfit, is that supposed mm-hmm. to look like the Jackie Kennedy um, outfit? Yeah, it definitely has that reference. And like it's the inverse where instead of her husband getting killed, she will kill her husband. It's like an ironic use wait. of like the <laughs> Jackie Kennedy. Uh, wait, wait, what? No, towards the end, she's wearing a pink outfit like uh, Jackie wore right. when Kenny was shot. Yeah. But, but instead of uh, she's wearing it when her husband dies, she's wearing it to to kill her husband. Oh, technically, if she killed her husband, her husband would still die. You're just saying that another party wasn't involved. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I think mean, I'm. I think I'm here. That's how you know, like, I don't know, like, wearing that outfit alone makes her kind of, like, crazy. (laughs) It's like, okay, you're dressed to the tens. I didn't know there was something beyond the nine, but there we go. To put up and everything (laughs) like that, and that's, yeah, she's falling apart later. Like, I really love that scene where it's just her on the back of the mic, uh, motorcycle, Mm -hmm. and nothing else going on for, like, a full 30 seconds, basically. The hair blowing back behind her, like determined look on her face. It's like that is a that's a 
wronged woman and you know as you know her story it's like she's been wronged real bad in a couple of ways yeah okay oh oh wait um there so was, she uh, killed kennedy is what you're saying yes <laughs> no, but, uh i uh, was uh okay i forgot to bring this up but with the banderas thing of him being like my dominating girlfriend's finally shut up. I, now I can be a, a cheating horn dog thing. Uh, did, did you guys take the? <laughs> how do you guys take this? The part where he kisses the the friend out of nowhere when she's crying. He's following in his father's footsteps. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a. I mean, like <laughs> Spanish men have a reputation for doing just being like bold like that and just. Uh, you know, making a move on somebody when you have no express, no interest in them or being in a completely inappropriate time, like when you're crying and getting some gazpacho. Uh, it, yeah, it felt kind of like, oh, I thought he was kind of different. He's been acting like different. But uh, there he goes. It's like, hey, why not? I think it, yeah, I think it kind of plays into like the kind of soap opera melodrama of it where it's like we're gonna take this in another direction entirely mm. kind of thing but but, but i feel like a, a a normal soap opera would be like she's into it but she goes from crying to kissing the back to crying and it just uh, it's just like very striking how he's like she's still <laughs> crying what what that's supposed to work <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's watched too many soap operas, and he thinks with, it's gonna with work. the same casualness in high heels with the the scene, you know, where all of a sudden sex is happening, possibly against somebody's will. But but the person's reaction is just like, oh, well, okay, well, um, okay, okay, this is this is it, okay, yeah. and it's done. Let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah, like, like that it's... just happened. It's not part of the story, but it yeah. was. And this, like, the way it ends is beautiful, where it's like, oh, nothing's resolved. It's just like, like, the, the one, no. well, one thing is resolved, <laughs> but everything else is not resolved. And it's just this tangled web of everyone's bullshit into everyone's bullshit, where it's like, when, it, when, when everyone wakes up, there's going to be a really awkward conversation that has to go on to, to, to move on from everything. <laughs> I kind of like that because it's like, of course nothing would get resolved. Like stuff like that doesn't ever get resolved for a long time in real life. It like takes time, way more time for stuff like that to ever even become slightly healed or handled or anything. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a nice realistic touch where like the a lot of our movies are realistic. Yeah. I'd say emotionally realistic, but not um, plot-wise realistic. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, like, I've never gone through a a, a breakup like this, but uh, I've known people who have, and it's like, yeah, this I, yeah. I understand. You know, where uh, where like how someone could could act like this because it's. I saw one thing where, like, I'm over. You know, you mentioned that he says the humanist, uh, mess, humanish, uh, uh, message thing. But like, I saw one thing where he did say, like, it's also about uh, how men can drive women to 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 the edge. Yeah, exactly. 
We're like, we can drive each other to the edge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I... So, even though we, we've talked about I'm still, like... It's it's one of transitional movies. It's not as good as the ones after it and ones before it, in my opinion. But it's still... It's kind of mm-hmm. like the landmark one of, like this was the big shift that like this led to time up time me down this led to you know uh yep. the skin i live in like where like high heels is like i think undoubtedly is top of the bomb a like i to me like a 4.5 5 out of 5 movie where this is like yeah you can see the groundwork but he's not quite out of that like out of that early phase he's still trying to figure out um like uh, mature storytelling, I guess you would say. Yeah, I think it was just like a, a mix of him like working on stuff for a long time and him getting buzz and it just like hitting at the right time for people to appreciate his work. Yeah. Uh, J Dog, um, how does this stack up to the other one? I think I asked you, but. Do you consider this a lesser one of of all modern Rocky scene or mid or high tier? No, it's it's just fine. I don't, it's mid. I don't know. Calling mid tier. The word mid tier is used as like an insult. That's true. A lot of times, it's like this one's yeah, this perfectly like... fine. It's it's above like average. Like I enjoyed it. I would watch it again. I would tell somebody to watch it, but. Um, it's so far I haven't really been blown away by one of the ones we've watched. I don't. I don't feel like. But, like now I'm afraid that when we get to the ones that I remember being blown away by, I'm gonna be like, oh god, this is not. What's wrong with me? Am I not an Almodovar far fan? It's like, well, that's not true. I enjoy his movies. It's not. Uh, you you know which one I've enjoyed the most so far. Um. Dark Habits? I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like one of the one of the movies that basically was on the radar for no time at all for me. It was like, okay, that was that was a very entertaining movie all the way through. Not to say yeah. that this wasn't. Yeah, well, you know my opinion of all. I'm so excited. It's probably my one of my least favorites. It's still good, but it's... I thought you said it was your favorite movie. Like, you've never seen a better movie. I never said that, but I'm so excited. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm so excited is... I under, I, I, I feel like it, it it was made because this guy in Living was so dark. It, it He probably wanted to be like, I want to do something fun after something so dark. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh... That makes sense. And the great thing about him is that he has so many movies, so, like, you can find any movie to, like, fit your preferences or, like, and test out and see what you like. He has so many different phases. He has so many different works of art. Like, he explores so much. It's just, like, it's an amazing career. He was uh, offered Brokeback Mountain, but he turned it down because he didn't want to deal with Hollywood producers. And he said they would probably (laughs) make him tone down to sexuality. And well, yeah, I, I, I imagine if if he did it, it would be just like, uh, pretty graphic sex and like a lot, of, and probably like 
a good deal of sex more than like a Hollywood producer would be comfortable with. Yeah, right. Uh, what was it? He, I can't remember. There's more to the quote, uh, but you can you guys can look it up if you're curious about it. All right, so. Women on the verge of a nervous breakdown is easily available. It's one of the few that has a criterion. Uh, that and all about my mother and time up, time me down, I think have solo criterions. And hmm. I can imagine him getting like a box set one day. I, I'm hoping for one because those early ones to get to DVDs is uh, expensive. I'm glad they're streaming right now. Yeah. And uh, some of those early ones, it's like, I don't think, I think, I think the first one that, uh, not first one, um, Pe- uh, Peppy, Lucy, and Boom, I don't think has an English mm-hmm. DVD at all. Or it's part of a box that you have to pay way too much for. Oh, yeah. One of those situations. Yeah. But uh, as long as Sony is still, you know, uh, working with them, it will still be available, like his work still will be available uh, over here. Thank God. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so and this is what a famous one, so uh, easy to track down if you haven't seen it. Um, I think there's a good starter for Almodovar. It's just a nice little um, it to see if this is your vibe. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I feel like High Heels is more of a deep cut and not as accessible, personally. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, now to recommendations for 1988. Uh, Lexi, you can go first. Alright, so my recommendation as as a good double feature with this film would probably be um, Married to the Mob. <laughs> yeah. Because it's about a woman, like, not, like, throwing her husband out, doing her own thing, and then there's a bunch of, like, weird FBI stuff with the mob. It's, I feel like it would play really well together. Okay, I can see that. I think that's true. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, was that it? That's your one? Okay. Yep. Perfect. Okay, so I... Well, Joel, you can go if you got yours ready. Oh, thanks. You know, um, not enough people talk about this this movie. Wait, did we do 1988 already for this season? This season? No, it's been... No, we did one for last season. Okay. Okay, not this season. Okay. So, another movie in the vein of... Uh, children not knowing their parents yet. Wait, okay, I can't make the comparison. This is actually a funny story because I was I'm going through a hard time and all this stuff like that, and I asked my uh, therapist for a recommendation on a movie from uh, 1988 because we were going to talk about it for Women on the Verge. And uh, she's she's great. Like she's totally into a lot of the like gross out horror stuff and and other things like that. So <laughs> naturally, she said, uh, "Well, there's this movie called Pin that you should watch." 
And if you're not aware of the movie named Pin, then that's good. Maybe you should go on living your lives. But if you're, if you're interested, it's it's called Pin. It's kind of a Pinocchio story where the pin part comes in, except for it's about a a doll with what you would have like at a medical student's thing or, or just in a doctor's office in this case. And it has completely see-through skin, so you can see all the muscle tissue underneath and the organs and stuff like that. And this doctor has a son and a daughter, and the son is, uh, he has some traumatic experiences, and his father used to do a voice where Pin was talking to the children whenever he wanted to teach them something about medical stuff, you know, about their growing bodies and stuff like that. It's from the 1980s. You can tell this is going to go into a bad place. Well, uh, to spoil the... at some point, the the kid's parents die horribly in a car accident. Um, at this point, they're already teenagers in high school and such. But the the boy is still kind of obsessed with Pin. Thinks of Pin as his best friend, and all of a sudden, Pin starts talking again, even though his dad's not around anymore. And it's it's a kind of a screwed up, scary, gross movie. Um, saying it's scary is kind of an exaggeration but it's one of the I don't know like I feel like in 1980s there were just some weird movies that like touched on things like teenage sex and uh, and it 1980s movie that touches on teenage sex well I mean like in a really really gross way (laughs) and yeah, it's so funny. You're not the first person I've talked to in like the last month who's brought up this yeah, movie. It, it's... <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm not a puppet no, person. It's, it's but... hard to. It's going to be hard for me to ever forget it if I want to. But I I liked it in the sense that like I'd never seen a movie much like it, <laughs> and it was I don't know. It's worth a watch if you don't mind the weird non-mouth-moving doll thing going on, which I, I totally understand uh, if you don't. That's probably the we, freakiest part of it. We know someone that has the, the novel, has the novelization of it. What? Where was the book first? I think it was a book first. That's the book thing. First. Yeah, Amazon has a book who's a fan of the book. Amazon has a book who's a fan of the book. Um, Megan Sunday. Think, oh, okay. I, mean, I uh, thought you were going to talk about Gina. That's not a Gina movie. <laughs> that does not scream like that does not scream Gina movie at all. Uh, come on, okay. Uh, no, Spencer. I, I would like to know what you think of the movie. You should see it. I've been curious about for a while. I know it's one of the weird Canadian ones. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Because uh, I think Mark Kessler has talked about it. Uh, when moves from hell was still more active there's a, a they did a, a brief series of like fucked up canada and they had kessler on to talk about that movie no because i assume kessler has seen all the canadian movies he's seen every movie we all know this oh yeah i forgot <laughs> yeah okay for me uh my 1988 oh was that it for you oh yeah okay so i have uh a book I meant to recommend another episode, but I didn't check the year. 
Ant Hills of the Savannah. It's a book by Chinoy Achebe. It, uh, he was one of the great Nigerian writers, part of that African writer um, a movement in the 1950s. And this is his fifth novel. I have, I, I bought it like maybe seven, eight years ago at, a, at my favorite bookstore in Philly. And it's one I have not read yet, but it's a, it's a, a Chebe book, so I will get to it eventually because he's my, one of my favorite this artist period of the 20th century one just I love him to a point that I have a, a poster of him in my house as framed like he's that that level important to me as a as, as a human being uh, and for movies uh, I have two action ones and one serious one two action ones are Police Story 2 it's a sequel to, to Police Story 1 it's Jackie Chan it's Police Story Two has the uh, uh, it's a Hong Kong Jackie Chan action movie, so you know what you're getting. It's it's great, but it has a blooper reel at the end where uh, Mackie Chung gets um, a hit by a prop because she messes up a stunt and she, her head's all bloody. And it's and, and it's one of the times where you're like maybe a, a blooper reel isn't a good idea, Jackie. I don't know why you did this. It's just kind. Of, it's just upsetting to see Maggie Chung get um, injured like that. Man, it would least, be sexist if they only you only showed the dudes getting messed up like that. Come on. But she she doesn't do many action scenes in a movie at all. That's her one action scene, and oh, it's, they yeah. screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just like I want to see her get hurt. I want to see you get hurt because you're used to it. You were yeah. abused as a child allegedly at the uh, opera school. Um, look up the stories about yeah, the thoughts about the schools. Kind of fucked up what they did to the, how they treated children. Anyway, so uh, other one, In the Line of Duty three. It's one of the ones that does not have Michelle Yeoh, but still really good. And their ser- serious one, Camp uh, De Theroy, the Simbin movie. You did an episode on it last season. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh war movies if not my favorite war movie and at Simbin it's the one that no one talks about and if you listen to the episode you you know you know why it's kind of been hidden away for a long time i'll give you a hint it's because uh, the french military doesn't want people to know about this but what really happened in 1944 and uh that's it so seek that seek out that Simbin movie it's incredible and depressing, but it's also like some Ben so like has like his sense of kind of mean spirited humor. <clears throat> and that is it. Lexi, thank you for your time. Thank you guys for having me. It was a great, great discussion. I really yeah, enjoyed it. We'll be back in the future to talk about other stuff. But we, we other haven't decided yeah. on what yet exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, you got a podcast and you guest on stuff sometimes, so what's going on with you? Yeah, I do. Um, I am at Sunning Gun on Twitter and all the places. Um, my podcast is Schooled by Cinema. Getting ready to do the second season coming up soon. It'll be on screenwriting, and so um, I'm excited. And uh, you can find me at Schooled by Cinema on all the things also. I know you pick things that are good, 
but if you pick things that are like a, mm-hmm. a mistake, she hate me by Spike Lee. That's a great example of how not to structure yeah. and and write a movie. <laughs> That's a good idea for if I ever do a, a go around again to do like. <laughs> Here's not yeah. what to do. <laughs> it's where the CGI jizz thing comes from that I like to post from time to time. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, of course. I don't. I haven't seen. Talking about another uh, director who has a huge filmography that's hard to tackle. Like he has so many films. Yeah, we got most of them. They, we left out documentaries and TV, so we left out probably like half of mm. half of the stuff Spike Lee has done. We also left out the <laughs> movie that the podcast is named after, or it was. Uh, because he doesn't want that movie out. He's Set. very he's he's litigious <laughs> about it. It's on it, it's it's on YouTube for like a month or two, like every other year, but then his people find it again. <laughs> so anyway, um, is that it for you, Lexi? That's okay, it. Okay, for me, I write for Grumpire. I um, have two blogs that I have. I'll have in the show notes, and. Um, I appear on podcasts on occasion, like The Grindbin, Mustachio Podcastio, uh, Movies from Hell. Uh, they just reposted, um, because they're on break right now, a, uh, the link, a thing about the, uh, a Wakamatsu episode I did, I think a year ago, year and a half ago. He's a fascinating Japanese director. It's hard to sum up his movies besides it's depressing and full of just, like, Men being disgusting, but there's like a leftist political angle, and <laughs> it's Wakamatsu was 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 one of a kind, and may have been killed, may have been assassinated by like high people in high places. It's 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 fishy how he died. I'll say that. Anyway, um, yeah, that yeah, J Dog, you got stuff. No. Oh, but if you would like to come to my birthday party, no, it, it already happened. Sorry, didn't invite anybody. Okay, well, you'll be on the next episode we record, which is on Matador, the other um, another Motor movie, with uh, uh, Mike White from the uh, production booth and um, our favorite Catholic, John Arminio. Oh, good. I was ready to get the opinion of those Catholics. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's it. Lexi, uh, thank you. And yeah, thank you guys again. See you guys next time. And I don't have a such schedule for a release, so I don't know what's coming out around this time. <laughs> Our theme music is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T-Theory. 
That is spelled G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.